Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The last week in February makes us feel like we're in the middle of an ocean. It's castaway. We spend the months watching the games, breaking them down, and just looking, looking to the shoreline, hoping that March Madness is around the corner. And folks, we are here, we've arrived, we see land, March starts this week. Welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. We are giving you a Sunday night special podcast here because we have guests this week, Gus, out the door. Great guest starting tonight with Thomas Bendit, the managing editor of BT Powerhouse. So nice that Thomas Bendit gave Screen the Screener a couple of minutes. Super knowledgeable college basketball guy, but ultra knowledgeable on the Big Ten. Uh, his, you know, his realm of expertise. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, listeners out there. We're so glad to have you chime in on Sunday evening to get a little Big Ten recipe for success. Hoping that we can aid in your commute to and fro, get you ready for March. Hopefully, you can get outside and spend some time with this nicer weather on the East Coast and everywhere else. Uh, and we're thankful, humbled, and honestly eager to talk NCAA hoops with you, Mike, and our ever-increasing audience. Ahoy out there, everybody. Thank you for tuning us in and plugging us into your earbuds. Folks, we're, we're revving up our game. We're stepping up our game here as we head to March. March starts this week on Wednesday, March 1st. We have conference tournaments about to begin. They start on the 28th. We're ready to roll. So what we did for you is we lined up some big-time guests this week. We're going to play right now. Thomas Bendit, managing editor at the BT Powerhouse website. He has his own podcast, BT Powerhouse. He is an expert in college basketball, Has writes articles all week long, breaking things down for us. He gave us a few minutes here. We're going to run through this and, and hear what he has to say. So here you go, Thomas Bendit, managing editor, BT Powerhouse. Folks, we're thrilled to have Thomas Bendit, the managing editor of BT Powerhouse on the Screen the Screener podcast today. You can find him on Twitter at T Bendit, T-B-E-I-N-D-I-T. And you can also find his great writings on BT Powerhouse on Twitter as well, at BT Powerhouse. Thomas, thanks for a few minutes here on the podcast. How are you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, how about yourself? Very well. Uh, I got to start, since we're taping this on Sunday morning, I got to start with your thoughts on Gonzaga. Gonzaga rolling through the WCC was a one-seed Tough loss at home on senior night. Third year in a row they lost to BYU. Uh, give me your thoughts on Gonzaga in the tournament and whether you think a loss for an undefeated team is good or bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to start off with uh, the general concept of Gonzaga, I know there, there's been a lot of criticism of them this season. A lot of people think they're kind of a fraud or a phony. Um, I, I buy them. I, I think they're, they were legitimately ranked as number one. Um, I don't know if they deserve the one anymore but i i still think they're a top five team i still think they just are uber talented they're deep they they have everything you you typically look for in a, a final four type team um as, as far as the loss last night i got a chance to to watch most of that game and uh yeah they, they just kind of looked uh <laughs> out of sorts um yeah. and and you kind of wonder if uh the the senior night and and the whole moment kind of overtook them you know, considering that they were about to to finish off undefeated um, for the regular season, so I, I you wonder if that that kind of uh, messed them up mentally, so to speak. But uh, as far as 
how I how I think they're in the tournament. Um, I I assume they're still on the one seed line. We'll see if that changes here in the next week or two. But uh, I I still think they're a prime contender for the Final Four and uh, certainly in the national championship. Yeah, I, I agree. My partner picked them to go to the Final Four beginning of the year, and what struck me is I feel that their players are are more athletic, playing with better chemistry. But I was shocked when that uh, bracket preview came out because I did not think they would put Gonzaga behind Baylor. And the committee seems to favor these big wins and sort of discount any bad losses along the way. So they do have some good wins. They, they beat an Iowa State team, uh, which certainly looks better now. They beat Florida. Of course, that's going to look good. They beat Arizona without Jackson, Parker, Cartwright, and Trier. But I wonder you know, if they have enough big wins that's going to put them on that one line. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously the the whole strength of schedule and – you know, they've played some legitimate teams, but obviously, you know, their overall schedule is not going to compare to those other teams um, up there. You know, Kansas uh, certainly has to have <laughs> one of the toughest schedules sure. out there. Um, you know, Baylor, you know, playing in the Big 12 is going to have some great uh, challenges. And and even, you know, uh, I, I know most people don't think Arizona and UCLA or Oregon, any of them are going to be in that one seed conversation, but... Uh, they're all going to have some big time opponents, you know, playing each other. So I, I think uh, personally, I, I think Gonzaga probably still ends up on the one. But uh, you know, there wouldn't have been any doubt <laughs> had they had they not lost last night. That's for sure. No doubt, and no doubt at all. So now let's turn to the Big Ten. You're, you know, one of your your great areas of expertise. Uh, Thomas Bender puts out a ton of articles during the week. I feel like the guy never sleeps. He's covering all teams in the in the Big Ten and, and gives you a real nice breakdown. So let's let's talk about it. So the Big Ten, of course, the buzz, the general feeling is that the Big Ten is down. The top teams are are, are not as good. And I feel strongly that a team like Purdue, which has great three point shooting, has a, a Player of the Year candidate nationally in Caleb Swanigan, Isaac Haas coming off the bench. I feel that they're being underseated, Thomas, to be honest. And, and I think that they're getting sort of a bum rap here because of the overall Big Ten. So where do you see them shaping up these teams as they head into the, the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's any uh, argument that the Big Ten is down, and certainly from, from years past. But uh, I, I do think some of that is overblown. And what I, what I mean by that is that the Big Ten lacks an elite team. I mean... They don't have a top-five team this year. They might not even have a top-ten team this year when all is said and done. But they still have. They still are pretty deep. Um, you know, on the latest bracketology post, which, again, always take with a grain of salt, but they have, like, seven teams projected in, which is right up there with almost anyone. Sure. Um, they have a, a few teams right on the five-six region, which, again, they lack, they lack the elite team and the elite seed, but... They, they still have a pretty good group of teams that I, I think could do some damage on the first weekend. Um, as far as Purdue, I, I tend to agree. I think the Boilermakers are probably the Big Ten's best Final Four shot at this point. Um, I, I think the thing that, that kills them so much is they keep stumble, stumbling around on the road. Um, yep. They haven't, I mean, outside of the win at Maryland, which... It's kind of looking less and less impressive here over the last week or two. Yeah. But uh, um, outside of that win at Maryland, they don't have a lot of big-time road wins. You know, they lost to Michigan yesterday. They needed overtime to beat Penn State earlier in the week on the road. Um, they lost to Nebraska, Iowa. I mean, it, it hasn't been pretty on the road for Purdue this year. So I, I think that's the thing that's going to hurt them um, when 
Selection Sunday comes around, but I, I still think Purdue is going to be a very difficult matchup for the vast majority of teams. Um, and, and right now, I, I tend to agree. I, I think they're the Big Ten's best bet of uh, making that, that final weekend of the tournament. Another polarizing one for us is Wisconsin. We were very high on Wisconsin coming into the year. Hayes and Koenig, and I said at the beginning of the year, Ethan Happ is the best third scoring option in America. As it turns out, during a stretch there, he was their top scoring scoring option. The big thing for me, Thomas, love to get your thoughts, is Nigel Hayes, to me, has to take control. This is a player who was 15 points per game last year as a junior, this year stepping into that senior role. Koenig's been hurt for a little bit, and I find him to be very passive at times, and I think he can put more of an imprint on the game, and I think you can be selfish by being too unselfish Wisconsin has a lot of potential they are experienced team guard does a great job what are your thoughts on them and what are your thoughts on Nigel Hayes I I think he's got to step it up here for Wisconsin to to really do some damage yeah I mean you know I I think Wisconsin's still a solid team you know they've had undoubtedly the roughest week or two of the of the season here but uh you know Ethan Happ is clearly uh I would say the Big Ten's runner-up for player of the year this year um He's, he's got to be one of the best big men in the entire country. He's, he's really efficient. Um, but, but the issue that Wisconsin has really been having is teams have really dedicated to taking away Hap and taking away, you know, he's deadly on those pick and roll situations. You know, he, he's just always in the right spot at the right time. And the issue is, is the defenses now are saying, you know, what, we don't care. We're just going to stop Hap. We're going to leave your shooters open. We're going to leave your guards uh, open to make opportunities. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Hayes has underwhelmed. He had, he had a good game against Maryland about a week ago, but otherwise he's been pretty underwhelming through most of conference play. Koenig, uh, hit or miss, and, and certainly the injury doesn't help. But, yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, is they need to find a guy who can create um, for his own opportunities. And I think Nigel, you know, outside of Hap, obviously, and I, I think Hayes has to be that guy because I, I don't think they're getting it from any of those bench contributors they have this year. But uh, I, I still feel like Wisconsin is a dangerous team just because Hap is going to be a mismatch for a lot of other teams. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if Hayes continues to play like he has been over the last month or two, it, it might be an early exit uh, for the Badgers. Yeah, totally agree. I feel like Hayes waits until the last moment to sort of to pull some magic out. I remember that three-pointer top of the key against the Nebraska on the road. You know, that that's the sort of stuff that we need from him, and, and I think he can do it. We're talking to Thomas Bendit, managing editor of BT Powerhouse here, breaking down some, some hoops for us uh, Sunday morning. Thomas, another team I want to talk about in the Big Ten is Northwestern. You know, we're all rooting for them. We know they haven't been in the tournament. We want to see them in. But they've lost five of the last seven. Of course, really tough. Scotty Lindsay's been out with the illness. He's third game back now, so he's starting to get back into the swing. But again, a tough loss yesterday. Game they really had at Indiana. Northwestern, are they in? Do they do they need to win a couple more? What do you think? Um, personally, I I still think they're in. I thought once they beat Rutgers, they kind of set up to be in, barring something weird happening. Um, well, the first part is certainly happening. You know, they've been awful. Outside of that, you know, last night's game against Indiana, perfect example. They're up big. They let Indiana, I believe they had a 22-0 to run yep. to end mm-hmm. the first half, um, just blow the doors off of Northwestern. They, they closed it back up, but the game was pretty much over at that point. I mean, that, to do that on the road in Bloomington for a night game and, and trying to win, to let 
Indiana to that too. I mean, you basically just seeded the game. Yep. Um, you know, they they they've just it's really struggled closing games out the last couple of weeks. And I think uh, you know, they get Michigan earlier this or I want to say Wednesday, mm-hmm. which will be a big opportunity, and then they get Purdue at home. So, and considering how the Wolverines and Boilermakers uh, at least project against Northwestern, they they may lose these two this week. We'll have to see. They really, I think, undoubtedly, if they win one of these two, they're in. There's no debate. Um, but uh, I I still think the Wildcats are in at this point. I think, frankly, they would need to lose their next two and maybe even the Big Ten tournament game uh, to miss. and uh, it, But you, you never want to get too confident just based on you never know how those smaller conference tournaments are going to shake out and, and so forth. Which is a, a perfect transition for us, and we thanks for a few moments, and then we'll get you out of here after this one. Those small conference tournaments, Thomas, here's my thought. To me, if you're a small school and you're dominant, I, I, I get frustrated when they don't get in and they stumble by a two- or three-point loss in the conference tournament final. So a couple teams that have jumped off to me. We all remember what Middle Tennessee State did last year to to Michigan State. I would think that many teams would not want to play them in the out-of-conference schedule. So now they're headed in now in Conference USA. If they stumble, are they not going to get in? And then, of course, the big one that I have to ask you about is Wichita State which is just a perennial team. It's had a lot of success in the tournament, but they are neck and neck with Illinois State in the Missouri Valley. So what are your thoughts on those teams? Do you think they have to win the conference tournament to get in? And is that right in your mind? Well, I mean, to to start off, I I think uh, I really like Middle Tennessee this year. I I obviously really like Wichita State. I, I think everyone agrees that Wichita State is one of the best 68 teams in America. Frankly, they're probably one of the best 25, and you know, if you're if you're a believer in the old advanced stats, uh, I think they're ten on Ken Palm this morning. So wow. we're talking about potentially a top ten team here, who is going to be a bubble question if they miss their uh, or if they don't win their conference tournament, which is just it's baffling, but it's also reasonable. You know, personally, I uh, I love the advanced stats. I, I like to look at those because I think they're more accurate than things like the RPI or just general rankings and so forth, just because I, I think it's a, a better barometer to start off. But the one exception I make is making the field for the NCAA tournament because I don't think it should be what you do on paper. It needs to be what you do on the court. You need to earn your way in. You need to have legitimate wins. Um, avoid the bad losses, obviously. I So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with a system that you basically have to earn your way in um, on the court, not with you know, on paper, you know, burning up uh, <laughs> big margins and games and, and things like that. So um, whether they get in, I still think Wichita State will get in. Um, and, and certainly I, I have a feeling some of those advanced stats and the eye test will, will play a factor. Um, as far as Middle Tennessee goes, or Middle Tennessee State, excuse me, I think uh, the, the scary thing that they have going for them this year is they're not going to sneak up on anybody this time. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, uh, you know, the old, it's the old thing, you know, it's not going to be an upset anymore because people are expecting Middle Tennessee to give, uh, excuse me again, Middle Tennessee State to give some people a game uh, this year. So I, uh, I'll be excited to see what happens for them in the, in the conference tournaments. I would guess both will probably win their conference tournaments. You know, they're certainly both going to be favored, I would guess. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll certainly be interesting 
especially if Wichita State somehow ends up on the outside, uh, given how good their team is this year. Uh, I agree. Listen, Thomas, we can't thank you enough for a few moments here. We know you're busy. Folks, uh, Thomas Bendit, at T. Bendit, and at BT Powerhouse, Great Hoops Mine, breaking everything down for you. He has his own podcast as well, uh, the Big Ten Ten Powerhouse podcast, which is a great – he does a great job on there as well. So expert in the Big Ten, loves college basketball, and and is excited, I'm sure, as we are, to head into the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournaments. So, Thomas, can't thank you enough, man, for a few moments, and we'll catch up with you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. Well, there you go, Gus. In-depth analysis, covered so many topics, even gave us some extra stuff there on Wichita and Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't expecting that knowledge to be dropped by Thomas Bennett, just showing his vast uh, his vast spectrum of knowledge of the college basketball landscape now that we're getting into March. Uh, really thankful that he was able to drop some knowledge on uh, those other teams along with his expertise, the Big Ten. I totally agree with what he was saying about the Big Ten. I, I think mm. Purdue is the best Final Four candidate uh, among mm-hmm. the teams. The Big Ten is down. Why are they down? Because when you think ACC, you hear North Carolina, you hear Louisville, you hear Duke, right? The Big East, we started at the beginning of the year. You and I talked about in the preseason those top four teams now because of the Mo Watson injury and because um, Xavier's had some injuries as well. It's really become the Big Two. But every mm-hmm. conference, Big Twelve, the Big Self, we talked about that, and then you go out to <laughs> we go out to the back the Pac twelve, and we're talking about Oregon, Arizona, UCLA. They don't have that top team, but this is a very strong conference. It's the Big Ten. A few years ago, people were talking about this was the dominant conference. So I loved his comments about the teams across the board and how he feels that it's a little overblown. Uh, agreed. The reaction to the sourness on the Big Ten is pretty simply explained, right? Michigan State is down a notch or two from where they normally are, and Indiana is down or two or notch due to injuries from where they were expected to be. If those two teams are where people thought they would be, then guess what? We wouldn't be having this conversation that the Big Ten is having a down year. Oh, my goodness, uh, you know, the sky is falling in, uh, in middle America. But if those two teams still could get into the tournament and they could surprise – so maybe this conversation is mute, is moot, but that's why we're talking about it. And that's why we love having people like Thomas Bendit on to help us straighten this situation out. And, and you know, that it's such a great point. You're right on the money. But what people are forgetting is they're forgetting the greatness of the coaches in this conference. Oh, I, man. You know, Michigan State had those injuries, lost those players. They'd be a different team right now. You do not want to play a Tom Izzo coach team in round one or round two. You talk, John Beeline, Michigan, they were in the finals. They had a huge comeback against Kansas in the Elite Eight game. You don't want to mess with him. And Painter has done such a great job at Purdue, of course, and he had that team with Etwan Moore and Hummel in that group. But Etwan Juwan Moore, Johnson. Juwan Johnson, Etwan Moore got injured. They, they could have been with, with a one seed, I think it was. I think it was a one seed, and they got upset because they, just, they weren't healthy. That don't sleep on the coaches in this conference, okay? This is a, this is a solid conference, and let's break it down and, and, and take a look at each one. So what I thought we'd do here, Gus, for the people, is let's reverse it a little bit, my friend. We're going to do an, our, Bron- uh, our on-Broadway segment, but I want to put you on the couch since I am writing and I'm embedded in all the deep uh, Big Ten stuff. Let's put you on the couch. I'm going to go team by team on the Big Ten, on the teams Ooh. that right now are in the tournament, we think, we think are in the tournament, I'm going to name a team. You give me a reaction. How's that sound? Listeners, are you ready for this out here? I don't know <laughs> if the listeners are quite prepared for this. I'm ready. Let's go. Here we go. Okay, so that's what we'll do. We'll do a little on-Broadway segment, and we'll go straight through here. So 
Gus, get ready in that couch. You're comfortable? You need an ink blot or something, babe? You okay? All right. Cigar is a cigar. <laughs> All right. Let's let's start at the top. So Gus Purdue, twenty three and six overall, twelve and four in conference. What are your thoughts on the Boilermakers and going into the conference tournament and going to the NCAA tournament? Okay. Into the Big Ten Conference tournament, when you have the best player in the conference and a good supporting cast and a very solid coaching staff, obviously you're going to have a shot to win the whole thing. Here's my only holdup. Recent history. Recent history with Purdue has said that they have underperformed in tournament setup and tournament experiences in the past. That said, when you have a player the caliber of Caleb Swanigan leading the charge and the diversity of his offensive skills, that goes the complete other end of the spectrum. And instead of you being limited by your past like unsuccess, he is going to absolutely change your outlook on things. And he gives you that opportunity to win any game, anytime, any place. The only holdup that we have with Purdue is their lack of success on the road. And if we pay attention to tournament settings, none of these games are going to be true road games. They're neutral site games. We know that the Purdue fan base is unbelievably loyal, super strong, and travels well. Many of these games might actually turn into a home game for Purdue. So the fact that none of these games are going to be true road games for Purdue, I think totally plays into their favor. The fact that they're going to be neutral site games and perhaps with their loyal fan base, a, 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 a pseudo home game. There's no reason to think why Purdue couldn't run the gamut through the uh, Big Ten tournament. And then also, once they if they do that, then we've talked about how we've talked about how uh, teams that get hot can sustain that heat into the tournament, why not them? Why not them make a run to the Elite Eight or the Final Four? So I think the fact that none of these are going to be true road games, they're going to be neutral site games, and they're going to have the best player on the floor pretty much any game in the Big Ten tournament. And then, of course, in their first two rounds of March Madness, I think Purdue has a shot to go to the Sweet 16, if not further. All right, so I'll throw some things at you here, and I'll play devil's advocate. So let's look at their last road games that they've played. And you touched on a very important point. They just lost at Michigan. You hit that one right. You had talked about that on the podcast on Friday. You thought it was a tricky game. Lost by 12. At Penn State, not a great team. Had to go to overtime to win. At Indiana, a depleted Indiana team. Pulled it out by five. At Maryland, Thomas talked about it. One by one, late second basket. At Nebraska, loss. At Michigan State, win. At Iowa, loss. At mm. Ohio State on January 5th, one point win. That concern you mm-hmm. at all? Look, I think the situation and the environment is going to be different in a tournament setting than an actual true road game. So sure, does it worry me? Of course. Is it hard to win on the road in the Big Ten or any of these big conferences? Like we always make fun of the Big East being a grind. We know out West in the Pac-12 winning on the road. I mean, look at USC today. USC couldn't even win on the road at Arizona State, one of the bottom feeders in the, in the Pac-12. It's hard to win road games in these big conferences. So does it worry me? Sure. Is it a point of concern? Sure. Is it something to pay attention to? Sure. But I think if you have those other factors in play for Purdue, best player on the floor, unbelievably great coaching staff, uh, good supporting cast, and like you always say, have bigs will travel, Mike Randall. 
you are spot on, my friend. Now I'll get off the couch and I'll sit next to you and I'll give you the unabated. We get a beverage and I tell you what I think. Ooh, okay. I like this part. Let's remember, folks, the other team is also on the road in the tournament. <laughs> okay. So, Correct. yes, you want to get on them about their road games. That's fine. But the other team is also on the road in the tournament. Let's look what they did at the beginning of the year. They played a Villanova team that was playing Villanova-esque in the beginning of the year. Not so much right now. And they played them tough at home. They lost by three. They played a true road game at Louisville in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and they lost by seven. Very tough game. They beat Notre Dame 86-81. That's a nice win. And winning on the road in the Big Ten is difficult. You have Swanigan. You have Haas off the bench. Those bigs play well. It gives all these other guys... Thompson, Edwards, Edwards, Klein off the bench, Spike Albrecht for 10 minutes. They can play their game because you have to worry about Swanigan. I am not concerned about Purdue going into the NCAA tournament. I think they're mad about last year's loss to Arkansas Little Rock where they gave up, what, a 12-point lead and two and a half minutes left. Mm-hmm. I think Purdue is a very, very dangerous team. People are going to overlook them. Folks, that is Caleb Swanigan right now, in my mind, it's either him or or Mason for big for national player of the year. No offense to Josh Hart. He sloughed off a little bit. He's still fantastic. He's a guaranteed first-team All-American. I think it's Swanigan or it's Mason. And because of that, Gus, I have no concern with Purdue moving forward. I'm going to say I'm going to tell you one more thing about Purdue, and I'm going to go a little stat geeky on you here, and the Screener Screener podcast will get a little further stat geeky later on this week, just a little tease for later on. I love the stats. I pay attention to a bunch of the metrics. Here's one of the metrics that really points Purdue in the right direction. Uh, Ken Palm has both an offensive and a defensive efficiency along with his overall number. He also has a tempo number that we pay attention to. Uh, A few podcasts back a couple weeks ago when we were trying to pump up Florida and saying how they were a little bit undervalued um, and how good that they were playing under the radar, and we read off how Every champion the past 10 or so years has had a top 25 defensive efficiency and top 25 offensive efficiency number, according to Ken Palm. Guess what Purdue has this year currently right now? They have the 22nd adjusted offensive efficiency score in Ken Palm, and they have the 12th defensive efficiency score in Ken Palm. They have top 25 on both ends of the floor. And if we're going to pay attention to one more Ken Palm stat, they are in the hundreds for tempo. And if you play too slow or too fast, it doesn't that doesn't uh, speak to you becoming a champion, national champion. Um, the teams that speed it up, too much variance, too many options for turnovers, teams that play too slow, i.e. UVA, not enough opportunities. Purdue is right in the wheelhouse. So if you're going to be a stat geek about Purdue, the stats love Purdue this year. If you're listening right now and you feel guilty about getting that knowledge from Gus Kearns that he just gave you for free, do us a favor. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Rate the podcast. podcast, Screen the Screener podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn Radio. Give us a five-star rating. Folks, that information is for free. You can't get that anywhere in America anymore. Putting on the Freud beard, going back. You're on the couch. Here we go. This one may take two hours. Wisconsin, 22-7 overall, Gus. They're second in the Big Ten, 11-5. Go. Okay. The first place we're going to start with Wisconsin is that we just love their personnel personality-wise. Okay? We love the stance that Nigel Hayes has made 
this entire season and his entire career as a student athlete. We absolutely applaud Bronson Koenig for his stance and his personal choices that he's made off the court to support what he's supported. Applaud, stand up, clap, and cheer. We love that Greg Gar, Coach Gar, has allowed his student athletes to go ahead and have this freedom to express their likes, dislikes, and opinions off the court. Not many other coaches would allow their student athletes to have that much freedom with their personality and their opinions. So we applaud all of those things about Wisconsin. Now, let's talk about them on the court. I think it's pretty simple for Wisconsin currently, right now, how they're constituted. If Caning is going to be compromised by injury, which he currently, he visibly is, he does not seem quick off the dribble. He seems a little limited off pick and rolls. He's obviously limited defensively. If he does not get healthy, I don't think they have a great chance to move forward in any of the tournaments, whether it be the Big Ten tournament or March Madness moving forward. Also, you've been harping on how Nigel Hayes needs to go ahead, step up, get his game into gear, and be a difference maker as opposed to somebody sitting on the periphery. Uh, we saw that with his big three-point shot against Minnesota uh, off the screen and roll with Bronson Caning. We did not see it this particular game against Michigan State and the loss on the road. Yes, he did put up good numbers, but if you watch the game, you saw him airmail a three-pointer in a big spot. You saw him miss a couple of bunny putbacks. You saw a turnover. These things are limiting Wisconsin. Now, you went ahead and championed Ethan Happ as the third-best scorer uh, on a Power 5 team in the, in, in the country, and it turns out he's probably going to be first-team All-Big Ten uh, and be in the, you know, in the conversation for Player of the Year um, after Big E. Swanigan. Uh, so we have like all of these, we have all of these ingredients for a great recipe. And then if you throw in their past success, I mean, what is there not to like about Wisconsin? Here's what's not to like: the inconsistencies. We talked a little bit about with West Virginia how their ebbs and flows during the season do not bode well for March success. And this year, Wisconsin has had a similar ebb and flow. With results. Sure, do they have good numbers across the board? Yes. Do they have Ken Palm numbers that are nice to look at and reflect nicely upon them as a team? Of course they do. But I think if injury and indifference are going to play a factor, I think both are going to affect Wisconsin. Well, you know my thoughts here. I'm actually encouraged by what I saw with Nigel Hayes today. I saw the airmail three, the bricks, the whole thing, free throws. He can be a little sketchy on a free throws, 412 today, but I liked what I saw. They ran the entire offense through him in the second half. It was not enough. Mm-hmm. They lost 84-74 to Michigan State, but that is that is the blueprint on how they're going to win. Now, Koenig, you're right. Something's wrong with him. 515 from the field, one of nine from three-point range. He had 17 points because he made six free throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with you. If he is compromised, they are in trouble. However, you may be surprised to hear this. Ethan Happ is going to score in the first round of the tournament, and Ethan Happ needs to score. It is not a surprise that they were doing their best when Ethan Happ was scoring because that collapses the defenses. That gives Showalter open threes. That gives Vito Brown open shots. That gives Trice open shots, and that's what those guys need. They can't do anything else. That They need to be in the flow of the game. So what I will tell you is this. 
I think they're a very tough matchup. I think they're a senior-led team. I think that light has gone off with Hayes, and he's going to be aggressive in the NCAA tournament. I don't see a first-round upset for Wisconsin. They may be a very popular first-round upset. Some people may not like them. Nigel Hayes, Ethan Happ, and Koenig, who should be okay. Honestly, I I think it's a tough matchup, especially with a really good coaching guard. However, I think their floor is limited. They're not upsetting anyone. If they're in a bracket with UNC in a Sweet 16, they're in a bracket with Florida, they're not beating them because I think that their floor is just – their ceiling is limited. So to me, I like seeing what I saw from Nigel Hayes. Maybe he's just not good enough to do it, uh, that 25 sort of game. I mean, tonight was 22 and 11. He was good, but like you said, it was a little shaky. But it could have been 30 if he made his free throws. So I'm with you. I think Wisconsin's solid. I think they'll avoid an upset, but they're not going very far. Yeah, I agree. I think that the consistency of the personalities on the team won't allow that to happen. But I also think that they are a little limited and maybe a little lesser than what we thought coming into the season. Just maybe a notch or two. Um, but I think that is an issue and you want to see better consistency from Nigel and you want to see better health from Canning for sure. Hard hard for us to like a team that has lost four out of five right now. Uh, and the only one was against Maryland as they're heading into Iowa at home and with Minnesota at home, both should be wins and they should write the ship there. Next, my friend, third place in the big 10 Maryland Terrapins. They are 22-7. and seven. They are tied for third place with Minnesota-Michigan State, so we'll go by alphabetical order. 22-7 and seven overall, 10-6 and six in the conference. Gus, Maryland, Terrapins, go. Look, it's pretty simple here. The whole ship runs through Mello. Mello plays great. They're great. Mello plays average. They can lose to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Here's why. The surrounding cast that they're relying on for scoring, for defense, for big-time decision-making in uh, in crucial spots in the game. Most of those guys, freshmen. Now, look, we love Jackson. We love Herter. Um, we love the other guys that are putting up big numbers. But if Mello isn't going to do his thing and go – not even go crazy. How about go for – how does 18 and 5 sound? If he has, like, one of these, like – five for 17 games from the field, things aren't going to go great. The other part here, if they can just get a more consistent second scorer, whether it be Herder, whether it be Jackson, whether it be Cohen, who knows, maybe even Dodd off the bench. Like if one of those guys can just develop into like, look, we can go to this guy in this spot for this score, they're going to be so much better. The fact that they don't have that is the only worrisome thing that I have here. Now, I'm going to play flip side on you in the same exact conversation and argument. They were supposed to be awesome last year. They had multiple NBA players on their roster. Their roster got gutted this year, and they're playing freshman big-time giant minutes. They were supposed to stink this year. So I think we need to look through it through those lenses and think that like coming into the season, we thought that this team was going to nowhere sniff the tournament Nowhere sniff this success. 20 wins? No way. 22 wins? No way. In the running for the outright Big Ten regular season championship? No way. The fact that they put themselves in that position and Mellow Tremble put them in that position is absolutely astounding. They should be applauded. I love what they're trying to do. I love what they're trying to accomplish with a limited, uh, with a limited manpower and limited experience. And can we just applaud 
the Terrapin program, they recruited the heck out of this class. These guys can play. I thought that they were going to be, I thought it was just going to be like, you know, you, me, and, 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 and Thomas Bendit out there for, for Maryland with, with Melo Tremble. And they have players out there. So great job out of the coaching staff. Great job out of the advanced scouts, uh, getting these guys in here, guys like Jackson and Herter that can really play. Uh, moving forward, what can they do? Again, if Melo plays great, they can beat anybody anywhere, especially on a neutral. Uh, how about they win a game in the tournament? Maybe make it to the second weekend. That's how I'm feeling about the Turtle. 13 out of 14, they won in the middle of the season. They've lost five of their last seven. I agree with you. Tully outkicked the coverage on the preview at the beginning of the year, so it's unfortunate people aren't going to relate to that. I will break it down for you. Ready, Gus? Here you go. I will sum up for the people exactly how you feel about Maryland. Ready? Go. They play tomorrow in neutral court against Wichita State. Who are you taking? Wichita State. They're playing tomorrow against Dayton on neutral court. Who are you taking? Dayton. They're playing Middle Tennessee State on neutral court tomorrow. Who are you taking? Middle Tennessee State. There you go. Moving on. <laughs> That's pretty simple, right? <laughs> uh, next, interesting team, Minnesota Golden Gophers. Don't know how you're going to feel on them. Tie with Maryland for third place, 22-7, and seven, the exact same overall record, the exact same conference record, 10-6. and six. Golden Gophers, what do you got? Here's what I think about Minnesota. Now, we can apply this to other teams, but I think this is apt for them this particular season in this particular situation. They have been efforting all season just to get to this point, right? They have been efforting so hard to, to crack the code, to get that March invite, and, and, and try to be in the running. That we, And we talked about this with teams with the number of efforts they have per season. I just feel like they've burned all their efforts to get to this very point right here. I don't think they have a ton of big efforts left. Uh, are they going to win a game in the Big Ten tournament? Sure, absolutely. No problem. Love Nate Mason. He's playing almost out of his head. He's playing at a borderline all-Big Ten uh, level right now. Um, but I feel like they used up everything they had. I feel like the, the, the chamber is empty right now for them, and they're kind of running on fumes. I could be totally wrong on this, but I feel like they have just they have put so much effort to get to this point of the season – that from here on out, it's gonna, I think it's just going to be really tough, and I think they're going to have a, a really hard time scraping the bottom of the, of the barrel to find that next effort where it's going to come from. Coach Patino, unbelievable job getting this program back into the tournament, first time since uh, Tubby was there, right? And you don't really think of Minnesota as like a, a Big Ten powerhouse, but guess what? They're going to finish in the in the top four in the league this year and get a March invite. So applaud Coach Patino and the job that he's done there with guys coming in and guys that have been left over from the old regime. I applaud the, the Gophers. Uh, I hope they find success, but I really feel like they may be at the end of the number of surprises that they're going to give us the rest of the season. Fascinating team, Minnesota. Started the year 12-1. and one. Then they lost five games in a row in conference at Michigan State, at Penn State, home Wisconsin, at Ohio State, home Maryland. From that point on, we're talking seven wins in a row. You talked about Nate Mason. Nate Mason has been in doubles. 
in nine consecutive games. Last time he did not have double digits in scoring, January 21st against the Wisconsin Badgers, who they will see on the road to end the regular season. Wow, big matchup. I think Minnesota is a fascinating team. I think Patino's done a great job. They have scoring. They're a streaky team. It's one of those you have to watch in the conference tournament and then gauge that and figure out where that matchup is in the NCAA tournament and see how you feel. Yeah, you want to see if they're out of gas or not. That's that's my only concern with this team. They play hard. They play the heck out of things. They defend you. But I just want to see if they have any gas left in the tank. Last team tied for third place in the Big Ten, the Michigan State Spartans, 18-11 and 11 overall. Remember that schedule, Gus, beginning of the year? huh? 10-6 uh, and six in conference, but coming on strong. Coach Izzo usually does well in the tournament, except for last year. What do you got for Sparty? Listen, here's what I got for Sparty. It's pretty simple. I talked about this a little bit uh, on the last podcast that we had. Izzo is in uncharted territories for himself as a coach. He has never done this before, ever in his career at Michigan State as a coach. He is putting huge trust and giving gigantic minutes to multiple freshmen. He has just thrown them out to the wolves, has coached up, coached the heck out of them, and tried to coach them up the best that he can. There's no Harris. You mentioned that Tum Tum Nair is not going to be on the floor as a big influence. Perhaps in practice he is. But they are giving big minutes to Langford, to Ward, and, of course, to Miles Bridges. And those guys are going to be on the floor pretty much all the time. They're going to have to make big-time decisions in crucial points of the game. Coaches are going to have to trust them to do that. So he is relinquishing control of his team and if you think about his best teams uh if you want to go back to uh mateen cleaves if you want to go back to them as the seven seed uh making the final four he had control with travis trice uh and those guys and he he schooled those guys those guys are were with him for three four maybe even five years as a, as a medical red shirt this year he is giving so much ownership to these three freshmen and other youngsters that haven't got a lot of floor time that is really fascinating to watch evolve, and I think they are completely an unfinished product right now. I think if you're going to make a definitive decision on Sparty and Michigan State right now, you could look like a genius because you can be totally right, or you can look like a complete idiot because those kids may ball out and totally prove you wrong. So I am totally rooting here. I, I don't really have a prediction here. I am rooting for those freshmen to just do their thing that they've done for their basketball careers up until this point. Play great basketball. The reason Izzo brought you there is because he thought you could be a great basketball player at a great program at a high level for a long time. Guess what? Here's your opportunity. And your opportunity starts with the final two games of the regular season. Uh, one was on national TV today for uh, Channel 2 for the whole entire nation to see. The next one's going to be in the Big Ten tournament, and then guess what? They're going to get an invite, and they're going to make it into March, and whoever is playing them or whoever's in their pod is going to hate seeing them because they're going to think the same thing that we're talking about here. They have no idea what to expect from Sparty, and they are scared as heck because those freshmen are ultra-talented and compete really hard, and they hate coaching against Izzo. I can't wait to see what they're going to do the next couple of weeks. Scared as heck is totally the right phrase to use. 
They go at Illinois and at Maryland to finish the season. They win those two games, Gus, and they end up winning a game in the NCAA tournament. This is one of Tom Izzo's finest coaching jobs he's ever had. He lost the three guys early. Aaron Harris, gone as well. Miles Bridges, freshman. Nick Ward, freshman. Cassius Winston, freshman. Joshua Langford, freshman. Forgot Winston. Sorry. He's, yeah, he's awesome, too. Let me ask you a question. Percentage chance Miles Bridges comes back? Zero. Do you know why? Why? I think. You ready for Here's a comp. Here's who I saw like the last couple of Michigan State games that I watched. When I watched Miles Bridges, I saw Greek Freak. I saw Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's, yeah, listen, I think the kid is special. I would draft him very, very high, and there aren't many yeah. people I would take over. I would take him over Markel Fultz. That's just me. I'm just thinking, you know, maybe he sits there. I don't know. I just want to see him back because Izzo's done a great job oh. recruiting. Um, hey, how about this? How about he has a little chat with Melo Tremble during the Big Ten tournament weekend, and Melo talks him into staying and saying, like, look, I got to go win all these games by myself and help all these freshmen learn how to win. Why don't you come back and do the same thing? Wouldn't and that he, be awesome? Right. And he'd be like, listen, you're coming back. And Nick Ward had a tremendous game. He's been a little up and down this year. He was dominating today. Played really great inside on Hap. I like High energy guy. really like him. I agree. It's a team that no one wants to see. I want to, I want to see if they finish out with two wins here. They don't stumble at Illinois. That would throw me off their scent a little bit. But we'll see how they do. If they can win a game in the NCAA tournament, they get that 7-10 game. They win that game. They play a two-seed. Look against, out, two-seed. A, a, a Gonzaga two-seed, maybe? Uh, you know, you, you, you're never going to see. You're never going to know what they're going to expect. But I agree with you. Totally locked in. Moving on, Gus, we got two left here. Yeah. Because uh, we got – we'll go – I think right now they're getting seven. I'm pretty sure they're getting seven. Then anybody else you want to add in? Northwestern, 20-9, mm. and 9-7 and seven in conference. Are they in, Gus? Not yet. Wow. Certainly not yet. Wow. They are making it really difficult to be a definitive yes. Um, do you want to say, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Give, like, give March the best story it could give and have everybody write about it and be super excited about it? Yeah, do it. They're not in yet. I think if they can go one and one down the stretch here and win one. Give totally me one agree. Win. 100% agree. Yes. Give me one win in the Big Ten tournament, you're good. If you go 0-2 and and drop your opening round game, that camera in that room for Selection Sunday is going to see a lot of kids and a lot of coaches sweating. So are they in yet? No. Uh, Is is their destiny in their own hands, as everybody likes to say? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's in their own sneakers. You know, the the sneakers squeak the right way, they're in. Um, But, man, they got two toughies. Got to go to Michigan. Got to play Michigan and got to play Purdue. That's a tough way to end up. I, 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 I don't know. Um, and I got to tell you what, the whole Scotty Lindsay mono thing did not do them any favors. If he's full strength and doesn't ha- doesn't miss any games and isn't slow coming back, then they would probably have another win or two, and then we wouldn't be having this conversation. However. Coach Collins is doing an unbelievable job. He's got those guys playing the absolute right way. He has those guys believing that this, like, this is their time. This is the team that's going to break the curse. This is the group of players that is designed to make the change in the program. 
So he has everybody in that program thinking the right thing and thinking the right way, even with a couple of pitfalls along the way. I just want to see them win one of those last two games and get a win in the Big Ten tournament and put them in so everybody can celebrate. And, heck, they should have a, they should have a parade in Chicago just like the, the, the Cubs did if they get in. That would be awesome. Gus, I'm going to tell you right now, I think they're in. And I'm going to tell you why I think they're in. I think the committee, and he mentioned this in the bracket preview show, they take into account injuries. They take into account where a team is at with or without a player. Mm -hmm. When Scotty Lindsay went out, the last game he played before he got sick, Sunday, Mm -hmm. January 29th, Gus, they were 18-4 and and 7-2 in conference. And he is finally rounding into form now. 13 points in the loss in Indiana, but he was out, and then he was not playing well. Single digits, I think, six and two points. They went uh, three, four, five. They lost five out of seven. Lindsay is back. I think they're going to have a big game here. They're home against Michigan and home against Purdue. I agree with you. They get one out of two. I think it's a lock. But I have to tell you, the only way I think they're sweating, the only way is if they get, mm. they lose to Michigan, they lose to Purdue, and they lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. All I got to do is get one. I'm with you. They get one. I think they're in. Yeah. And look. You've mentioned this on no, numerous occasions. Life is about celebrations. I'm looking forward to this celebration. You want to see those kids jump out of their seat when that camera is focused there on Selection Sunday and everybody's dressed in white and purple. You want to see those kids go bananas. You want to see that coaching staff go bananas. You want to see those families hugging each other in the background. That's what you want to see. That's what I want to see. That's what you want to see. That's what the listeners want to see. Um, go Wildcats. Let's let's go. Scotty Lindsay makes a difference, Gus. The guy had double digits in every single game except for the January 26th game against Nebraska at home, who they, which they won going away. And from that point, it's made a huge difference. You can't lose your leading scorer like that, but we are rooting for the Wildcats. Falling La- out. Last team, my friend. Last team I think is in from the Big Ten. The Michigan Wolverines. Tied with mm-hmm. Northwestern at 9-7. and seven. They are 19-10 and 10 overall. Beeline, senior, guards, but only 19 and 10. What do you got, Gus? Look, they're dangerous. Here's why they're dangerous. You mentioned the senior guards. Veteran leadership in the backcourt is going to win you a game here and there. I bet that happens in the Big Ten tournament. Great coaching is going to win you a game here or there. Everybody knows Beeline is an amazing coach. Here's the X factor. The X factor is Mo Wagner. The big guy in the middle is a little bit of a matchup problem. He's like an Ethan Hat light, or maybe even his equal at this point. I'm not sure. So I'm going to read you off five out of his last six games. Ready? 19, 11, 21, 15, only eight against Rutgers. That's all they needed. And 24 against Purdue. We called that he would be the difference maker in the Purdue game. He was. He's going to be a difference maker in the Big Ten tournament for this team. They put him in the middle of that offense and play off of him in the middle of that offense. He is adept at passing out to those senior guards, those veteran guards that are going to bang it home from three. They shoot a ton of threes. They're really reliant on the three, but that's a beeline thing. If they shoot it straight, they're going to be really dangerous for anybody. They shoot it well from the line. They're efficient on defense, not necessarily great. I think that this team is really dangerous. I would be really scared if they were in my bracket in March. And if you're matched up with them in the Big Ten tournament, like, say, a Northwestern, man, I'd be sweating if I was a Northwestern fan and I had to play Michigan. 
But again, I love the way Mo Wagner's playing right now. I think he's the difference maker for this team, and he can make this team go with those shooters spread out around him. This team has all the makings of a major run in March that no one is expecting. I want this team to get blown out, Gus, in the big I want them to win one game, the Big Ten tournament, make sure they get in, and then lose the second game by time. Under the radar. Under the radar. Throw everybody off their scent. This is the, they have the blueprint, guys. You've seen it before. Uh, Gus is right. Moritz Wagner, not Mo Wagner, Moritz Wagner, he is the key. He makes everything go, high-energy guy, and they have senior, they have guards, and they shoot the three, and they have a great coach. Gus, they have one, two, three, four, five, six players that have attempted at least 83 pointers on the season. That's uh-huh. incredible. They shoot it well. They're tough. They've won, I believe, let's see. Yep, they've won five of their last six games. Michigan State, one. At Indiana, one. Wisconsin, one. At Minnesota, overtime loss. At Rutgers, win. And then the Purdue game, they go to Northwestern. They go to Nebraska. They go 2-0. They're definitely in. won't matter. They go 1-1. They probably have to win one game to feel better about it. This Mm -hmm. is a dangerous, dangerous team. I'll tell you right now. They go to that playing game. They're playing in the first four. I'm taking them because you know the first four winners get hot. This is the type of team that could be a major Mm -hmm. problem and pull a major upset, folks, moving forward. I like the Wolverines. I agree. Uh, They they do a couple of unique things. They play at kind of their own pace, but they can get sped up and play at a faster pace. Hit the rewind button, folks. Remember that first half against UCLA where they put up 50? Uh, Good memory. Yes, yes. Very good. They can play almost at any pace. They prefer to play a little bit slower, but I feel like they have a little bit of a chameleon offense going on where they can kind of adapt to what the team is going to – they're going to take what the other team is giving them. If the other team wants to run, they'll get up and run. If the other team wants to slow it down, they're more than happy to play slow it down with them and still run their efficient offense with their three-point shooters spread out around the arc and Wagner inside uh, on the uh, foul line extended doing his thing there. So I agree. If they're in the first four, look out first four. Look out Dayton. Definitely put some money on them to cover and move on. Those are your seven teams that are in the Big Ten standings. Before we get out of here, Gus, a couple thoughts on any of the other teams in the Big Ten. Anybody you see who, if they make a crazy run, could get in? Anything like an Indiana, Ohio State, anything? I think Ohio State will play live in the tournament. That's not going to do anything for their March hopes moving forward. I bet Nebraska does the same thing. Penn State has played great at home, a little shaky on the road. I think we're always rooting for Rutgers to, to win a game somewhere to make a difference. You know what the team we haven't talked about that could change some people's minds? And you talked about, like, throwing the scent off or under the radar or whatever term you want to use with them. I'm telling you, the Indiana Hoosiers still have players and difference makers where they can win a game. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's if that means they're just going to fall flat on their face in the Big Ten tournament and then see you later in the NIT. Or if that means they make a gigantic run and they go ahead and make a run to the finals and maybe win the thing and get the automatic bid, I'm not sure either. But if you have Blackman and Thomas Bryant, I think that you have two difference maker players that can win a game for you one way or another. So nobody, nobody is thinking about Indiana. Keep your eye on them. They might come in live. But they could go the other way as well. But I think with those two players, I think they're worth paying attention to. 
uh, especially in the Big Ten tournament. It's possible. There is a road here that Indiana could make the tournament. They're 16-13, and 6-10 and 10 in conference at Purdue, at Ohio State. They win both those game gusts. They're 18-13, and 8-10 and 10 in mm-hmm. conference. I hate the sub-500 teams in conference getting in. But let's say they make a little run, win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament. They'll be in. They absolutely could. They're one of the few yeah. teams that has a path in, besides winning the conference, of course, with conference right, tournament. Right, right. They have a few teams that have a path in. Uh, folks, this is a quick one tonight. We want to thank Thomas Bendit for coming on, giving us a Big Ten breakdown. We know that you want to hear our thoughts on what happened this weekend, and we feel we have to dedicate our typical Monday night show to that. And we have a bonus, Gus. Not only are we going to talk about all the games, and I think we'll have a few things to say about Gonzaga, by the way. Uh, yeah, probably. I hope so. We're going to have John Gassaway from ESPN Insider on the show tomorrow. He gives us a great breakdown and his thoughts, metrics, numbers, great basketball mind. Tomorrow's podcast you do not want to miss. John Gassaway, we're breaking it down. Is Gonzaga still a one? Is a loss good or bad? We're going to argue it out. It's going to be a great, great podcast. Hey, does Nate Mason like to screen? Nate Mason likes to let it go come off the screen, steal the inbounds, and shoot it before he gets a secondary screen. Folks, thanks so much. We're heating up. You can tell we're fired up. Marsh Madness around the corner. John Gassaway tomorrow. Gonzaga lost at home to BYU. Oh, Gus. I'm still in mourning. Leave me alone, please. (laughs) We'll see you.